Okay, grab your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, like we said on Sunday, we're gonna reprise a couple of points that we, we saw on Sunday and, and take some time together in corporate prayer over these principles. So you'll remember from Genesis chapter 18 that Abraham is showing deep hospitality. The Lord and two angels show up and Abraham's immediate response is, you have to stay, I have to serve you and refresh you. That's why you're here, uh, so that I can serve and refresh you. And, and that's what he does. He's, he's, his hospitality, his service is refreshing to the Lord. And so that's how we need to conduct ourselves after Abraham's example. And we made the point, you know, in terms of application in Genesis chapter six and verse 10 that as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So God has us in his kingdom, in his service to be good to people, but especially to those brothers and sisters that he's placed uh, in your life. That is an incredible privilege, and we saw that Jesus sets the example for that in John 13 in washing the disciples' feet. We have, to be, we have to be hospitable to one another. Uh, it's, it's, it's a responsibility that God has given us. Well, okay, so tonight, let's look at, uh, just go back one chapter in Galatians, Galatians chapter five and verse 13. Let's look at our motivation in our relationships. Galatians 5.13 says, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. You know, in Romans chapter six, the mentality is, is man, if, if I'm saved by God's grace through faith, if I've been delivered from my sin and, and my salvation is not based on anything in and of myself, it's not based on my works, it's not based on my ability to keep the law, it's not, you know, shall we just continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer to that is, God forbid. Okay, God is worth, he's worth being right with and, and yes, we're saved by grace through faith, it's not of our works, it's absolutely God's gift, but if you're saved, you are his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, created unto good works. What's in you is what comes out of you. Okay, so we have this liberty in Christ. My, my ability to keep the law isn't the basis for my right, a right relationship with the Lord. It's all based on his finished work at the cross of Calvary. He paid the price for me to be reconciled, to be put back in relationship with the Lord. So I have this liberty, okay? It's not me going through life not sinning that keeps me saved. That's not it. Uh, no, I have someone in my life now. I have the Savior in my life, and there is liberty in Christ. Well, now I get to do whatever I want. No, he's, I'm his workmanship. I'm created unto good works. Okay, my good works don't save me or keep me saved. It's what comes out of the salvation that I have in the person and the finished work of Christ. So we have this liberty. So use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Well, what, what do we do then? If we've been set free, if we've got total liberty in Christ, what do we do with it? But by love, serve one another. Man, if you got any guts, you ought to look at your neighbor and just tell them, I love you. You ought to tell them, I love you. And then you ought to ask them, 
man, is there anything I can do to help you? I mean, if you really got guts, is there anything I can do to help you? I'm moving this weekend, by the way. No, I'm just... <laughs> you ought to just ask, is there anything that I can do to help you? Right? I want to serve you. What a privilege to serve the person that God has in your life. Okay, you, you surely got it all talked out by now. We have a privilege to serve one another. I mean, you think about it. God puts people in your life and they're gonna go through trial, they're gonna go through hardship, they're gonna have problems, they're gonna have difficulty. They're gonna need encouragement. They're gonna need somebody to counsel them, to coach them, to edify them, to build them up. And you get to be used of the Lord to bless your brother or sister in Christ. What an incredible privilege that is. Man, just walking up to somebody and just telling them, man, sis, bro, I love you so much, I thank God for you, I'm so glad you're in my life. And then they're like, well, I love you too. And you're like, no, you don't understand, it's about to get weird. I love you more than you'll ever know. <laughs> I love you, I'm so grateful that you're in my life. You know, like, I ought to be able to just see Miles over there and it'll be like, Like, I mean, that's my brother. What a privilege that is. Verse 14 says, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said it, it's so important, Paul said it too. Thou shalt love thy, love is fulfilled in one word, or all the laws fulfilled in one word. What is it? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So that means that the people that God has placed in your life are of the absolute greatest importance. I mean, if, I mean, talk about fulfilling the law. You can sum it up in one concept. The Bible gives you the cliff notes on how to be right in the center of God's will. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, you love yourself. Only the best is good enough for you. I mean, if you got a choice between the extra value meal and the one with all the extra dress, like if you got enough cash to make it happen, you splurge. Why? Well, because you're a big deal. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. That means whoever God's got next to you, whoever God's put in your life, they are of greatest importance. And oh man, I just, I, I pray that we get a hold of this because eternity will be a long time Eternity will be a long time for you to be glad that you tactically were for your brethren. Well, my brother in Christ is dancing on my last nerve. He's making me miserable. I think I wanna make sure he's miserable too. Now again, we talked about this on Sunday. We don't exist to be somebody's punching bag, right? A, a constant walking mat for people, like we don't want people, we don't, you don't do people any favors to keep letting them use, abuse, and run over you. Uh, lovingly, we ought to give feedback. But at the end of the day, it'd be better to be used and abused by a brother or sister in Christ than to have had a rupture in that relationship and to have all of eternity to regret that you wasted that opportunity that God gave you both in putting you next to one another. The people that God has in your life, you'll be so glad forever that, that tactically you were for your brethren. And what does that mean? Well, okay, so I love them as myself. I, I mean, the Bible tells you, you know, 
in the husband-wife relationship in that dynamic in Ephesians chapter five, uh, what does a husband do? Well, he doesn't despise, he doesn't, he doesn't abhor, he doesn't abuse himself. No, he, love it, he loves and nourishes his flesh. That's how he's supposed to take care of his wife. He's to love and to nourish, he's to cherish, he's to take care of this person that God's put in his life. He's to love her as he loves himself. Well, Galatians expands on that and says, whoever your neighbor is, right? Spend the investment, okay? So that's one way that we can go. Uh, The other shoe drops in the next verse. Here comes the other problem, verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, one another, this is in the church, right? This is to the this is to the church at Galatia. These are believers that this is written to. And this happens in churches where people, I mean, people are divided into factions. Uh, they, you've got groups that despise other groups and people that describe, uh, dis, dis, uh, despise other people and, and, uh, and they bite and devour one another. And God's people are too busy putting each other in their place and, and, and uh, making sure other people stay out of their area of ministry. I know of one church uh, here in the urban core that is struggling mightily because you know the people who have an area of ministry, they don't want anybody else messing in their area. It's not an every member of mentality. It's just, no, this is my kingdom. Don't you dare get in my way or infringe on my rights. You know, just leave me alone. This is mine, mine, mine. It's like uh, the old Daffy Duck cartoons. Do you remember when he got shrunk and he found the little clam and there was a pearl in it and he's like this tall and he runs down there and he throws himself around the pearl and he's mine, 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 mine. Nobody, I just basically showed up as super old. (laughs) Kodrovsky remembers it, yeah. Okay, just Google it, Daffy Duck, mine, 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 and you'll find the clip. Okay. You know, the older you get, the less your illustrations work. Um, Man, if there was a young person that could just really stay current, Alan Shelby does a pretty good job, (laughs) but the rest of us, I don't know. (sighs) Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. So if I'm not serving in love, then that provides the opportunity. Notice these two verses are right next to each other. If I'm not being and doing what God's called me to be and do, that makes space, that provides opportunity for this other possibility. It provides opportunity for war and infighting. So in order to keep the unity that God purchased for us, Ephesians chapter four, what are we gonna do? Well, we gotta be always looking for ways to love those that God has in our life. In other words, my attitude has to be, you have to thrive if I'm gonna thrive. You You have to be going and growing in Christ if I'm where I'm supposed to be. If you're not doing well, I'm not doing well. So we have to be looking for how can we make sure that those that God has placed in our life are thriving, and that's gonna take the work of the body. It's an Ephesians 4 work. Every member has the responsibility to build up, to edify the other members of the body. See, I can't, as your pastor, I can't be the answer to your every need. It won't work. God gave you his word to give you answers and help. He gave you his spirit to give you answers and help, and he gave you his people. And so that means we gotta be plugged into all three. We gotta be plugged into the word of God, 
walking in the Spirit of God with the people of God. And it's gonna take everybody contributing to make sure everybody has what they need to be fully thriving in their walk with Christ. So what's the antidote? Look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If I don't walk in the Spirit, then what's gonna come out of my life is verses 17 through 21. And the works of the flesh are manifest, verse 19. What is it? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immolations, rife, uh, strife, strife, rife, <laughs> wrath, strife, sedition. I mean, it, it's, it's an ugly thing that comes out of the flesh, isn't it? And this is how the lost live. Right? They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This is how the lost live. If I walk in the flesh, I live, I live like the lost do. Now, a walk in the spirit, verses 22 through 25, produces the fruit, right? If I'm walking in the spirit, the fruit of the spirit will be produced in my life. And so you look at verses 22 through 25, where is the biting, the devouring, the vainglory, the provocation, or envy in this list? Okay. Just look at this with me. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay, if all your brothers and sisters in Christ are living that, they're walking in the spirit, how easy is it gonna be to get into a fight with that person? How easy is it gonna be to get in such a big disagreement that you can't get along with this person? Uh, Man, the person that's living verses 22 through 25, man, they're a joy to be around, aren't they? Uh, Sometimes they're a little obnoxious when you're living carnal. And, it, and, and their love and their relationship with the Lord is so on fire, it makes you feel conviction in your heart. <laughs> but even that's good, right? I mean, it's just, it's good to be with people who are walking in the spirit. The neighbors, the people that God's placed in your life, they're worth you walking in the spirit. God's worth you walking in the spirit. The people that God's placed in your life, they need you to walk in the spirit, but man, you need to too. You and I, we need to walk in the spirit. And so that's who we wanna hang with, that's who we wanna have in our lives, so let's be that for our brethren. So here's what we need to do now. We're gonna break up in our prayer groups, and we need to pray for us as the members of MBT to obey scripture and, and to grow in our capacity and ability to walk in the spirit for our ability and capacity to invest and love and serve our brethren, amen? I wanna be a part of a church where every member is all about edifying those that are around them, where every member is endeavoring to walk out the word of Christ so they're walking in the spirit, don't you? I wanna be in a church where the members are endeavoring to keep the unity in the spirit that God gave us. So let's get in our groups, let's pray. And then after a season of prayer, we're gonna pray for our families. Amen, amen. Okay, Lot was rescued because at the end of all of it, Abraham loved his nephew. Uh, That'd be one place, so as we're praying for the lost, let's just pray for the capacity and the opportunity for, I mean, God can do this, to give us 
uh, open doors where our family, our lost family can see that we just desperately love them, that our heart yearns on them. You know, when somebody loves you so much, it looks like their heart's gonna bust. Uh, they're hard not to receive. Uh, you know, if my approach to my lost family member is, is you disgust me, your wicked sinful life. It's just so horrible and so disgusting and you're such a moron and you're such an idiot. Why can't, why can't you see the truth? Why can't you see the light? You're like a blind moron. And if what they think is you despise them and everything about them, you're ugly and you stink too. I mean like, who wants to be around that person? But if my heart is your, like if, if my family can see that I love them, right? If your family sees that you love them, that your heart yearns on them, you become someone who is impossible to ignore. And uh, Lot knew that about Abraham and, and that's really not the key. That's not, the, that's not how Lot was delivered from Sodom's destruction. But it was Abraham's heart yearning on Lot that provoked him to pray so fervently and so desperately uh, to negotiate with the Lord. I mean, here Abraham went from 50 righteous and got a promise from God to spare the city for 10. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. That is, that is good negotiation. Now, probably that 10 would have been the size of Lot's family at that point. I mean, if you could just rescue Lot and his family, and the sad thing is, is Lot didn't have any impact on Sodom. He didn't have any impact on his own family. His sons-in-law seemed like someone that was mocking to them. They thought the old man had lost his mind, and so instead of heeding the warning of judgment to come, here's a guy who had been going along to get along for so long, okay? Uh, he's part of the infrastructure now in Sodom, and so now all of a sudden he's preaching truth and he's warning. He's like Noah of old, and he's preaching of judgment to come, and his sons-in-laws are like, you have lost your mind. So they don't see any history of a walk with God. They don't catch that part of Lot. Uh, why, because Lot pictures the worldly Laodicean Christian. And so here's Lot, no influence with his family, Contrast that with Abraham who has great influence with the living God. Oh man, if I've got influence with the living God, now again, God's not Calvinistic in his approach to people. You have a free will. Our lost family has a free will. But God is not willing that they perish, and so how do we approach it? Well, we approach it the same way that Abraham did. He is, he's praying based on who God is. Shall not the judge of all the earth, right? That's the whole question. He says, uh, you know, far, verse 25, Genesis 18. That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. God, that's not who you are, that you would destroy the righteous with the wicked. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And so the Lord was implored. Right, he, he, he received that intercession. Okay, yeah, if there's 50 righteous, I won't destroy it. And the, like we said on Sunday, the wheels are turning, and so he gets, gets down to Lot's family, because that's really the cry of his heart. And some family members rejected, and they were destroyed. 
But really, Lot had destruction coming, didn't he? He is in Sodom, slated for destruction. And it was only through the intercession of Abraham that he was delivered. God, and this is what we're gonna see next time in Genesis, God's gonna take a whole chapter, two angels take a whole chapter getting Lot out of judgment. That's the mercy of God. But that only came in response to Abraham's prayers. I believe this with all my heart. We can, tonight, we can pray for lost family members and this week, God is gonna mess stuff up. He's gonna start moving and shaking. He's gonna start working in their life. They're gonna wonder what's going on. And maybe some open doors will come out of that. According to our faith, be it unto us. Man, when we get desperate, when we get pleading in prayer, and I think that's really where, I think that's really where it's at. I think we fall into two camps. You know, here's Abraham, desperate before the Lord, and, and doesn't even really know how to pray as he ought. He's just trying to negotiate a deal. He can't even get completely real with God, but God heard the cry of his heart, and, and his nephew was saved, Lot was saved. So the Spirit helped his infirmities, uh, somehow made intercession with groanings that he could not utter, and uh, he worked it all out according to the will of God. And so here's how we pray. We know what the scripture says. So if Abraham comes to God on the basis of who he is and his character and his righteous judgment, well then we have 1 Timothy chapter two, and I'm so grateful for it. Uh, we, make, we, we make all kinds of prayers for all kinds of men. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, why? Well verse three tells you it's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. He wants us to do that. He wants us to pray for all men. Now tonight we're gonna focus on our families because verse four says God will have, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Your lost family member that you think there's no hope for, that is a condition, the, the reason you think that is because of your wicked unbelief. You think they're past being saved, that there's no hope, they're just too bullheaded, they're too stubborn, they're enjoying wickedness too much or whatever. There is nobody walking that God can't ring their bell and get their attention. Now they have a free will, they may reject. What we're gonna pray for is that they'd come to the acknowledging of the truth. You know, you get to, uh, you know, I mean the pastoral epistles are so rich. This is what we do, we wanna pray for open doors. But uh, what we wanna be able to do is in meekness instruct those that oppose themselves. We got family members that are opposing themselves. And, and could it be that God would give us an opportunity for us to show our love for that family member and open a door for us to instruct them in what the scripture says? and bring them to a place, the scripture says, of the acknowledging of the truth so that they can recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. If they run to the gospel, they'll be set free. Now, if we love our family, it doesn't have to be us, does it? Uh, man, God, could, God can use anyone. Uh, they may pick up a tract and read it for the first time. They may just read, they may decide to read the gospel. Uh, it could be that they'll turn to the right place at the right time on the radio and hear the preaching of the gospel and receive, whatever it takes to bring our family members to Christ, it doesn't have to be us that leads them to the Lord, does it? God 
God knows what will best impact and what will best get the attention, what will best produce uh, an opportunity for the gospel in the life of the family member that we love. Uh, But let me just say this and then we'll break up to pray. Uh, Lot, you know, in praying for our family members, we need to pray for ourselves as well. Lot seemed as one that mocked to his sons-in-law. If I preach the gospel to my family and I seem as one that mocks because of how I live my life, man, I'm a traitor to the gospel, aren't I? I'm a traitor to the word of God, aren't I? If I'm saying to a family member or to anyone, this is what the word of God says, and if their response is, is you're crazy, you don't believe that, you don't live that, look at your life, uh, man, I, what am I doing? I'm taking the name of Christ and the testimony of Christ and, and, I'm, and I'm wrecking it, I'm trampling it. Uh, what I want to do is I want to have Abraham's testimony where people know that, yeah, I'm not perfect, but, but man, sincerely with all my heart, I'm not crazy, no, I'm all in. <laughs> I want to follow God. My want to is set to that God is worth being right with and so I want I want to honor the Lord with my life and what his word says, let that be law over my life. Uh, God says it, that settles it. Let God be true and man, everybody else, liars, they're wrong. God is good, God is right. I want to be someone who has a testimony that, that whenever I preach the gospel, my family knows that I'm all in on it. That I'm not just saying it, to say the words or to say it because that's what a Christian is supposed to say. No, I want them to know that my life backs it up. Does that make sense? Lot had no testimony with his family. They didn't believe him. They thought he'd flipped. Oh man, so we need to be consecrated. We need to grow. We need to mature. We need to actually have that testimony of a legit walk with Christ. Amen? Um, So let's get in our groups and let's pray. I think, I mean, I'm with James. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And according to our faith, be it unto us. I don't want to get to heaven and find out that, 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 that no one prayed for one of my family members, and so they never heard the gospel. No one prayed for my family members, and, and uh, they never had the convicting work of the Holy Spirit brought to bear on their life over sin and the need for a savior. First Timothy is very clear. God commands us to pray because he's willing that all men, right, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Do the math on that. If our family is gonna come to Christ, we have to pray for them. Amen? Man, can we just call on the Lord for our families and call in faith? Let's pray.